there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I want to talk about healing today. I've wanted to talk about healing for a while for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is because it's been on my mind. And I don't really know why it's been on my mind, other than we had some people who, you know, who have been sick. And I don't mean just colds and things like that. I mean like this whole cancer episode with Arthur. And so in order to talk about healing from a work point of view, from an esoteric point of view, without getting into all this rigmarole and the jazz and the hype about healing, you know, all of the faith healers and prayer healers and this kind of healer and that kind of healer, because there's a lot of baloney out there. There are a lot of hostnimous people who just take advantage of other people. And... There's not a lot of healing going on in hospitals and in doctor's offices either. You know. So people have, have some strange ideas about healing. So I thought it would, be, it would be an interesting subject. Esoteric teachings view man in two main parts, inner and outer. The work calls those parts personality and essence and further divides man into personality and false personality. So broken down into three parts immediately. So there's the personality, the outside part. Then there's the inside part, the essential part, the essence of man. And then the outside part is then broken down into two parts, false personality and personality. So there's a healthy personality, and then there's an unhealthy personality, or there's a more healthy personality and a really detrimental, noxious, toxic personality, which the work calls false personality. So let's just leave it there for now. Essentially, we're born essential. A child is born essential, so it's born its essential self, its essence, who it actually is. And then it's gradually surrounded by personality, making essence, the essential part of it, passive. So that personality gradually surrounds it and becomes more and more active, and then the child loses his sense of self, real self, essential self. And his sense of essential self, his feeling of myself, I, passes into the acquired part, what is being acquired, what is slowly, gradually building up around him into the personality. So he begins to think of himself as the personality rather than the person he was born to be. This happens to everyone. This happens to you. This happens to me. This has already happened to us. This is enough to live an outer successful life. Once the child passes, once his sense of I passes into the personality that's being formed, this acquired being, that's enough he can continue with that and live a successful life. There is no need for him to ever think about who he was when he was born, his essential self. He never has to give that another thought. That never has to be active. It will, every once in a while, snap into activity. It'll become active. It's like a big accident or some big event. Something will happen. And all of a sudden, that part of him will be real to him. He won't understand it. It won't seem like him. He won't seem like himself, but he'll recognize it as something real, something outside of the ordinary, something very different, something mystical, and apparently magical to him. Esotericism speaks of a possible further inner development. Personality adjusted to life is but half a man. 
But I've already said that personality adjusted to life, you could live a successful life. You can be president of the United States with personality alone and never, ever have to ever think about your essence, ever have to have an experience with your essential self. In fact, you could be anybody. And as a matter of fact, the higher you go, the more easy it is to stay in personality. The higher you go, meaning in success in the world. I don't mean the higher you go in level of being. But the higher you go in the world, then the easier it is to stay in personality because your whole life is there already. Life will develop the outer, but it can't bring about a reversal leading to further development of the internal man. So this, all this work, all this esotericism, and see, this is the funny thing about Christianity, fundamental Christianity, is that people go around trying to make other people convert to Christianity, to try and make them see the light, to make them believe, to make them become something. And they miss the whole point. The whole point is this reversal. And the conversion is an internal thing. It's a reversal. So conversion, reversal, new birth. I'm talking about the same thing. I'm just using different words because we have so much spin on being born again. Now, the work would talk about being born again, except that people will go crazy with that. In fact, Nicole back in the 50s talked about being born again, rebirth. But he did it in England before there was this big Jesus movement in America where being born again was this big deal and it became this political thing and it became this thing where it was on billboards and, and bumper stickers, you know, and all this other stuff. So before it became a buzzword, it was possible to use it without people going crazy. It's not possible to use it without people going crazy now. People either think they understand it or they think they understand it. So they think they understand it, like, oh, I really understand it, or they think they understand that the people who think they understand it are crazy. So one way or the other, you have crazy people on both sides. That's going to make a lot of people happy. You can see how I win friends and influence people with all this, I see. But, you know, I have to tell the truth. I mean, I have to, I have to speak the truth that it, what do I want to say? I have to speak the truth that presents itself to me. I have to be faithful to that. I have to be faithful to what comes from within me. And whether that's right or wrong, well, we'll find out in days to come. Just like I was talking about imagination a while ago. Well, maybe I'm just imagining that this is the truth. Well, maybe I am. And you will have to verify it and find out if it is actually the truth or not. You can only verify it in your own experience. And so don't take my word for it. Don't believe what I say. You can mix a little bit of belief with it, enough to try it. But beyond that, if you mix too much belief with it, you won't try it. You won't verify it. And if you don't verify it, then it just falls into the wrong part of you. It falls into the, the acquired part of you, the false part of you, the part of you that we're talking about that can just be successful in life and never have to touch the essential part of you. So life will develop the outer, but it can't bring about this inner reversal that will lead to this further development of internal man. Education. See, everybody talks about education. Oh, you've got to get an education. You should have this. You have a college degree. You should go to university. You should do this. You should do that. Great. Education increases personality. That's what education does. Education increases personality, moving man further from essence. Now, is this a bad thing? Yes and no. It's a bad thing when people use it the wrong way. It's a good thing if people use it the right way. It's why simple people often live closer to essence than people who are civilized, well-educated. 
So you look at Aboriginal man, and he lives closer to essence. He knows things. He can go out into the wild. He can find water. He can do things. He can find food. He can do things. He can find direction better than somebody who's educated unless he has all of his tools with him. He's got his compass and his map and his GPS. Then he can do just fine, maybe, if he's been very well educated and if he's kept his education up in that area. Then he might find his way out. But an Aboriginal man, he's going to do it essentially. He's going to do it from his essential self. He's going to do it from deep within himself. Do you understand the difference? Changing outer circumstances won't bring reversal. This is one of the biggest illusions that people have. If I change something out here, then I will be better. I will feel better in here. Well, you may feel better for a little while, but you're not going to change anything. It's like the whole idea that clothes make the man. To whom? To people who are stupid? Yes. To people who are shallow, stupid, surface, living outside in the personality alone, they never see anything deeper. So yes, then the clothes make the man. But do the clothes make the man? No. You can dress a serial killer up in a $10,000 suit. That doesn't mean he's a nice guy. It doesn't mean that he's suddenly not a serial killer. Clothes don't make the man. Clothes make the man look different on the outside. And they make other people who are into that They sway other people's opinions who are into that. But clothes don't make the man. So changing your clothes doesn't change who you are. Changing your address doesn't change who you are. Changing your last name doesn't change who you are. Changing outer circumstances will not bring this inner reversal that we're talking about. Illness, and here's where the healing and the illness thing comes in. Because you see, you can't have a healing unless you're ill. You've got to be sick first. See, fortunately, we're all sick. Fortunately, we're all broken. Fortunately, our condition is we're not properly wired. We don't work right. There's something wrong with us. Illness may drain enough force from personality to reveal the quality of essence. When you get really sick, something happens. It drains enough force out of the personality so that essence can start to be more active. And who the person really is starts to come forth. Now, that may be good or that may be bad. It may be a real creep. Essentially, it may be essentially a real creep, but a creep that never got to, to develop because personality covered it up and covered up the creep and made it perhaps a nice helping Susie Homemaker or, or workshop Wally, whatever, you know, going around fixing things and helping everybody and, and being a, a nice person where essentially they were just a jerk and they never got to develop that and turn that into something beneficial, turn that into something, transform that into something better. So they just cover all this up, and their essential part still stays the same. So they get sick and drains away all that force from personality. Then personality is no longer as active, so essence can become active, and you find out what the quality of essence really is. Ospensky said, some illnesses are to open something in us that health and success can't. Some illnesses are engineered by your essential self just so that you can get to it and develop something that cannot be developed through health and success. Health and success only develop people in certain in one way, in one side, whereas illness develops somebody on another side. So somebody who's sick their whole life and never healthy or successful will be developed in one way. But then they're going to need some health and success to develop in another way. In order to be well-rounded, they're going to have to develop in all of these ways. So this is why the fourth way is so important, because we can 
work on all of these centers, all of these different parts of ourselves at the same time. Rather than just focusing on one or another, we can focus on one, and when that isn't working for us, then we can focus on another. When that isn't working for us, we can focus on another. So we can be more flexible. And flexibility is important in this work. You're not going to develop unless you're flexible. You're not going to develop properly unless you're flexible. Through illness, we may be suddenly faced with another kind of life. And people get news. Look, you've got cancer. You've got maybe two or three years to live. Suddenly, they're faced with another kind of life. Their life, as they knew it, is over. Now, it's all about something else. It's all about, well, I'm going to be leaving this planet in two or three years. Is there anything that I want to do before I leave? Is there anybody that I want to talk to before I leave? Is there any place I want to go before I leave? What will I do with my time that's left? It's like your final hour, that talk that Gurdjieff gave, final hour, which I think everyone should read at least once a month. If you don't read that once a month, I encourage you to read it once a month. It's very important because it helps us to recenter ourselves in what we're really about. Personality is that with which we touch and adapt to outer life. We use personality to feel the influence of outer life, to be attracted to things in outer life. Essence isn't really attracted to things in outer life. It's our acquired personality that's attracted to things. So if you see a certain kind of person and you go, oh, I've always been attracted to people like that, it's your personality. Oh, no, that's my soulmate. That's my essence. No, 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 no. It's your personality. Oh, no, I'm sure you're wrong. Okay, that's fine. Then you go ahead and be right, and I'll go ahead and be wrong. When the outer is developed and not the inner, we're at the effect of life's wheel of changing circumstances. Now, when we don't develop the inner man, we develop the outer man, and all of our force goes into that, our sense of I goes into that, and that outer man is under a certain set of laws. On this planet, it's at least 48 laws, and the false personality will be under 96 orders of law. So the false personality will spend its time under the law of accident, reacting to everything that happens, and to a false personality, anything can happen. And it's usually not good. But anything could happen. It's not so with the inner man. If the inner man is developed, he's under a different set of laws. Sometimes illness may shock us out of our settled, conditioned life, lacking internal struggle, searchings, and contradictions. I talk about a life of contradictions and struggles, searchings, and internal turmoil as something good. Whereas people look at that and they say, oh no, that's, that's not good. Just give me the drug, give me the other pill, you know, give me the blue pill so that I can have just this nice, smooth, easy life. And then, you know, you can just take all of my organs out and, and suspend me in, in 98.6 uh, saline solution and, and keep me going and put something in my brain to make me feel good. And, you know, there are a lot of people who would opt for that. And all you have to do is look at the world. What do you think people are opting for when they go to the movies? What do you think people are opting for when they go to sports games? What do you think people are opting for? You think they're opting for consciousness? Do you think that's why they're going? Or are they going so that they can get away from consciousness? Well, I won't even answer that. If you think they're going because they're aware, then think that and be happy. Think that and be happy. If you know better, then think that and be happy. I wanted to read a, a story in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. Actually, I'll probably read more than that, but it's an interesting story. 
Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. Now five porticos are like five doorways, openings, gates. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. And a certain man was there who had been 38 years in his sickness. Now, anytime you see in esoteric teachings a story and it says a certain man, realize that that means this is a story about nobody. This is a story about you. You are that certain man. This is a story about you. And that's what they want to get across. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? Oh, no, I've just been hanging around this pool all this time because I like to see other people who are sicker than I am. So it seems like a really stupid question. Well, what do you think I'm doing here if I, wouldn't, if I don't want to get well? But it is it's a very important question because we need to know that we want to get well. Because a lot of people who are sick don't want to get well. They're getting too much from the sickness. They're getting too much attention. They're getting too much of all of the things that they really crave that they couldn't get any other way. So they don't really wish to be well. So it's a very important question, and you have to have the truth about that. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. I love this. I'm going to leave it right here, and I'm going to interpret this a little bit, just in case you're not firing on all your cylinders and you don't know exactly what this means, and you look like you don't know exactly what this means. Okay. And, and maybe, maybe some of the others don't as well. Jerusalem means possession of peace. So this takes place in this possession of peace in Jerusalem, the city of peace. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty four. So people look at this peace thing like, oh, yeah, this is what I have to have. But you remember I was just talking about this state of internal struggle, searchings, contradictions. It's really not a state of peace. It's a state of unrest. It's a state of turmoil. And I hold that up as something that's good because we have to have a certain amount of that. So this is part of why I wanted to read this story, because it takes place in Jerusalem. No city in the world has seen more vicissitudes than the city of peace, Jerusalem. Think about it. For thousands of years, it's passed back and forth to the Muslims, to the Christians, to the Jews, back and forth and back and forth, war after war after war. Five porticos, five gates, means five senses. Think about it. Five gates. What do you have? You have five gates that connect you to the outer world. And inside, you have this possession of peace. But that possession of peace, the truth came to destroy. Don't suppose that I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, division. So you have these five gates, and everything, that's your connection to the world. Five senses facing man outward toward life. In all of us, there's almost complete separation between the outer and the inner man, with the outer dominating. Our condition is such that we don't know about the inner man. The outer man is all we know. Our whole sense of self, our whole sense of being, our whole life is in the outer man. What little we know about the inner man after all these years of study is just scratching the surface, isn't it? 
That's what we're beginning to find out. We're beginning to find out, oh my God, there is so much more available inside than there is outside. If you think the universe outside is big, take a look at the universe within. So in a sense, this sword, I did not come to a case, but a sword, this sword divides, separates. And there's already this separation from the outer and the inner. But the division is supposed to happen when you're on the inner. Once you have realized the inner man, then you start to divide and separate from the outer man. As it is now, we're separated from the inner man, but we're in the outer man. In other words, we're sick. And some of us have been in this sickness for 38 years or more. Some people have been in this sickness for 60-some years. Some people for just a few years, depending on how old you are. The outer man is under the law of accident. Anything can happen to him without meaning. The inner man is under the law of fate, where what happens to him is significant for him. So the outer man is lying here sick, waiting to be healed. But every time the water is stirred, he doesn't have anybody to pick him up and put him in the water. And so somebody else gets to the water first, steps in, and the first person into the water, that person is healed. You know, this is so rich, I won't have time to explore it all. Water, as you know, is a symbol in esoteric teachings for the truth. Stone is also a symbol in esoteric teachings for the truth, at a very hard, cold, outer level. Hard facts. But it's still the truth. So Moses, the lawgiver, gave the law on tablets of stone. Then Jesus took the stone jars and had them filled with water and then changed the water into wine. So you have the three levels of truth. The stone, the hardest, lowest, most outer level of truth, the coldest, stone such. What, what do we do with the woman taken in adultery? The law says stone such. So that's the hardest outer side. And then there's the inner, softer, more flexible, more fluid, water truth. Moses struck the rock and water gushed forth, the next level of truth. And then there's finally, the water is changed into wine, the highest level of truth, which can be very intoxicating, but it is the highest level of truth. So you've got those three levels of truth. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I feel like it's important to know that stepping into the water is stepping into the truth stepping into a new level of truth. So he doesn't have anybody to put him in the water. He's basically under the law of accident. Anything could happen to him. We don't know what will happen to him. So let's say we have the inner man who's under the law of fate, and the outer man who's under the law of accident. One thing can happen to the inner man, and it could be significant for him. The same thing can happen to the outer man, and it's just nothing. It just means nothing to him. The same thing happening can fall on two different places. It can be the inner man's fate. It can be the outer man's accident. It's not what happens to you that's important, but how you take what happens to you. If you can take what happens to you in an inner way, you can make it significant. If you always take what happens to you in an outer way, you're always going to be in turmoil. You're always going to be in negative emotions. You're always going to be reacting. Here, a man was lying who'd been ill 38 years. Verse 6 says, Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? His answer reveals his internal state. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. This is a very high internal state. Do you recognize this internal state? Well, let me give you a hint. I can't do. Do you see how high his internal state is? He's been sick so long. He's been lying there so long. He is finally beginning to come to himself. He's finally beginning to realize, I can't heal myself. I can't do. I can't get into the water. Somebody else beats me to it. Do you see? 
This is exactly a very high state. So Jesus picks this guy out of all these people. All these people who are sick, he picks this guy out. Why? He knows he's been here a long time. He knows the guy is coming to the realization that he can't do, which is a great realization because right after that realization comes another realization. He's beginning to turn away from the five outer gates, from the five senses, toward his internal life. He's already begun the process of reversal, do you see? And the truth comes along, and Jesus represents the truth, just as water represents a level of truth. Jesus represents a higher level of truth here, the light. He comes along and he sees this because whenever we come to this point, help is there for us. We draw the help to us. We draw the truth to us. We draw the light to us. With outer man, when the water, the truth, is stirred up, another steps down before me. Truth perceived through the outer has no power to heal. You see, truth perceived through the five senses has no power to heal. Truth perceived internally has power to heal. What does to heal mean? It means to make whole. Well, we're not whole. We're separate. We've already established as the essential part of us. There's a false personality and then there's a personality. So that's at least three parts right there. To make us whole, we would have to be conscious of all three of those parts at the same time. That's the purpose of the truth. That's not where we're at. What's the solution? Verse 8 is the solution. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your pallet and walk. The line between the inner and the outer takes but an instant to cross. You can go from the outer to the inner in the blink of an eye. You can also go from the inner to the outer in the blink of an eye. And that's how come we flip back and forth so often. Not as often as we'd like, I guess, because we spend more time in the outer and less time in the inner. That line can be crossed instantly. Once crossed, the outer doesn't just go away and let us live in peace. Verse 10 is interesting. Therefore, the Jews were saying to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath and it's not permissible for you to carry your pallet. You see, the outer will never leave us alone. It's always going to be tormenting. It's always going to be picking. It's always going to say, no, that's not permissible. That's not right. According to the stone law, that's not right. You're in there in this water, this flexible water, this non-resistance. You're in there with that. But that's not right according to the stone law. That's not right according to, that's not permissible. And Jesus was constantly trying to explain to them, look, the inner man is more important than the outer man. The outer man doesn't matter. It's the inner man that's important. But when, they were, when you're all into the outer, you don't even know there's an inner man. All you can think about is taking care of the outer man. No, the only way to reach truth is through the outer man. We have to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. But you see this man who had been 38 years sick, lying there, says, but I can't do, I can't do all of those things. And that's when the truth says, right, and that's a good place to be. When you realize that you can't do, that's a good place to be. Because now it can be done for you. So get up, take your pallet, and just get going. Leave this place is essentially what he was being told. So the Jews asked, well, who is this man who said to you take up your pallet and walk? The outer always wants to know, by what authority? By what authority do you do this? By, well, what makes you think you can develop something inside of you? What makes you think you can develop? What makes you think you can be better? What makes, well, what makes you so proud and arrogant? Well, the truth is, is that man was not proud and arrogant. That man had been reduced to realizing his nothingness, which is why he was singled out, because he was receptive. The real pride and vanity and arrogance is in the outer man.
It's in the false personality. It's in the, the crosser of T's and the daughter of I's, the always having to have everything right, having all the requirements, having all of the trappings. If you don't know authority, you're in trouble. If you don't know by what authority, you're a weak monk. You may have the will, but if you don't know where the authority comes from, if you don't know where the power comes from, then you're a weak monk. You can't do anything with it. Verse 14, don't go back to the outer. I love this. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, the man who had been healed, and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse may befall you. Now, people get all plugged in about the sin thing. Sin means to miss the mark. How do you miss the mark? Look through the five gates. Live your life through the five senses. You're missing the mark. You're missing the mark. What is the mark? The mark is the new man within you. The mark is your internal development. The mark is what you could be developing into, what you could be reaching for in an internal way, what you could be reaching for that's higher. That's what you were meant to be. Not what life means you to be. Life means you to be what you are, right here. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a nurse, you're a a beekeeper, you're a, a salesman, you're a bus driver, you're an electrician. Life means you to be that. But your fate means you to be something entirely different. Your destiny means you to be something entirely different. Under the law of accident, anything can befall you. Anything can happen to you. Something worse can befall you. And that's what he's saying here in verse 14. Look, don't go back to that other way of living in the outer way, because if you do, something worse may befall you than what brought you here. Verse 15 and 16, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. The outer man always has his rules, while the inner man has the truth. The truth is flexible. The truth is non-resistant. The truth is fluid. The truth is intelligent. And you never know what it's going to do. It seeks its own level, just like water. But the outer man can't take that. He has to have everything prescribed. Verse 17, But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. I can work. No matter what life brings me, no matter what happens to me in life, whether it's in sickness or in health, whether I'm rich or poor, whether it's better or worse, I can work. Why can I work? Because the truth is working right now, and I can work, and I'm working. So you see, this is what this story is about. It is so fourth way. It's so obvious. It's so right. If you're sick, make use of it. Make use of it to turn away from the five senses and to turn internally to the inner man and use that energy that's being drained away that because the energy is being drained away from the personality. Use that opportunity to develop something internally. Use that opportunity to go within and find something there to work on. Let the sickness drain away the force from the outer and go within and find the truth. Drink from that well. Get into that pool where you can be healed. You can work. You can do this. But you have to take up your pallet and walk. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application, in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.